Welcome to Momentum Church. Well, with Pastor Stephanie not being here, I do have to give one announcement. All right, we have a men's cookout that's happening tonight. And we are going to be throwing axes again. We are going to have beanbags that we will inevitably throw at each other. Um, so bring some meat to throw on the grill. If you've never been, it's a fun time. We just hang out. Uh, bring meat to throw on the grill, and then we'll provide chips and drinks. Um, it happens at 6.30 right here, and uh, we're going to have a good time. So make sure you come out. I get the honor of opening up today's sermon series, Hail Mary. Um, and I know that y'all were watching baseball last night. Um, I've got a baseball reference for you later, so you'll be satisfied there. But we're in this Hail Mary series. Hail Mary, for those of you who are not football fans, um, a Hail Mary pass generally happens at the very end of a game. Um, both teams have been fighting it out. It's a close game. The other team has definitely not lost yet. They're still in it. But the losing team has one final play that they can make. And so they are deep, and they pass it deep into the end zone. If they catch it, they win. If they drop it, they lose. And so what we want to be able to talk about are different topics where you might need a Hail Mary pass in your life. And today, what I want to be able to do is talk about how to get a win in your marriage. And a lot of the husbands are like, i got a few different ways we can get a win in our marriage. It's not that kind of sermon, <laughs> just so you know. But whether you're married in here or whether you want to be one day, I know that we got some young folks in the house. I see some high schoolers that I saw this past Wednesday. Y'all are awesome. I'm glad you're here. One day, you are going to get married in the name of Jesus, and you're going to have an incredible spouse in the name of Jesus. I just want to prophesy that over you right now. You're going to have a spouse that takes care of you and that you take care of them. And y'all are going to be in it for richer or for poorer in sickness and in health. And I pray for more times of health. I pray for abundant life in your marriage right now in the name of Jesus. And all you have to do is receive it, right? And, and here's the thing. Uh, as we look at this, it's, it's going to be, uh, look, there's a lot of different ways that we could get wins. But I think that if we're going to look at how do we get a win in our marriage, we need to define what is a win in our marriage. Because we can have some small victories all along the way, which are good. But for the sake of today's teaching, a win is going to be classified as I can look from uh, uh, five years from now, 10 years from now, a, a time in the future, right? If I make it to that point in the future, I should be able to look back on my time in marriage and say, I love them more today than I did back then. I, I love them so much more today than I did back then. I'm, I'm going on 15 years of marriage in December with my beautiful wife. And um, let me tell you, our first couple of years were rough. Like we hated each other. It was not good. Who said amen? <laughs> Son of a mother. I don't think I was allowed to say that from the stage, but you. All right. I, look, we, we did. We did not like each other our first couple of years of marriage. And I, a true story, it was probably two years or so into marriage. I came home one day, and I found her bags packed on the bottom of the stairs. Like, we've been there, okay? So you think that pastors don't go through stuff. We go through stuff. We understand some of the struggles that, that, that people go through. Found her bags packed, and praise God, you know, we ended up working through our stuff. And now, I, I look at our marriage now, and I go, oh, my gosh, I love this woman. Like, I, I love her so much. I'm like, were we even in love when we got married? Like, I, I think that that was honestly for us, like, at least for me, like, it was, we were more in lust than we were in love. Okay, and, and, and I think that that's what it is for a lot of people, but, 
But as we look at, at marriage, we should be able to work through and get to points in our marriage where we say, I love them so much more than I ever did before. And I would say that, if y'all could walk away five years from now and have that thought, that's a win. Can we all agree that would be a win in marriage? Yeah, so that, that, that's a win in marriage. And what I'd like to do is I'd like to, to go into 2 Kings chapter 4, and, and we'll get started with some scripture here as we, as we explore um, a, a dialogue that happens between a husband and wife. Um, and we're going to be looking at the Shunammite family in 2 Kings chapter 4. Now, the Shunammite family, the husband and wife, they were not able to have children. And then through the grace of God, a miracle of God, uh, they were able to conceive. They had a child, and we're going to pick it up in verse 18. And it says, when the child was grown, the day came that he went out to his father, to the reapers. He said to his father, my head, my head. And he said to his servant, carry him to his mother. When he had taken him and brought him to his mother, he sat on her lap until noon and then died. She went up and laid him on the bed of the man of God and shut the door behind him and went out. Then she called to her husband and said, please send me one of the servants and one of the donkeys, that I may run to the man of God and return. He said, why will you go to him today? It is neither new moon nor Sabbath. And she said, it will be well. Then she saddled a donkey and said to her servant, drive and go forward. Do not slow down the pace for me unless I tell you. So she went and came to the man of God to Mount Carmel. This is an interesting passage. I wish there was more to it. I, I, wish, that, I wish they had YouTube back then. And that somebody was videoing this conversation that happened. Because I think that we could all benefit from, from tuning into this conversation. There's a whole lot more behind the scenes contextually that we don't, unfortunately, get a sense for the reality of the situation. Um, but in, in this moment, like if we were to explore it, right, they just had their son who died. The, the son who they weren't supposed to have. Finally, a miracle from God. They have the son. And then he dies. That's a pretty intense tragedy to go through. And so we see this conversation happening. There's all these uh, uh, levels of trust between them that we can actually see unfold. And do we understand there are different levels of trust in life? Like, you got different levels of trust. Uh, those of you that know me, you know I coach baseball. Um, I forgot to bring a baseball bat with me, so I found this in the youth room. I'm sure they use this to hit each other. There are different levels of trust within baseball. I coach, I, I've coached everything from five-year-old baseball up to 12-year-old baseball. And, and let me tell you, like, you can't trust all these kids with baseball bats. Especially new seven-year-olds with a baseball bat that have never played before. Let me tell you what this looks like. To a seven-year-old who's never played baseball before, this definitely looks like a sword. And a baseball coach definitely looks like a dragon. I'm just telling you, if you ever coach, you got to be ready. You see a kid like this, you have become the dragon. And, and so you can't trust them, right? There's levels of trust. And then as, you, as they get older, though, you can start to trust them a little bit more, right? But I learned a new level of trust, or um, I guess I updated my level of trust with 11 and 12-year-olds. Because with 11 and 12-year-olds, you don't have to worry about them turning it into a, base, or into a sword most of the time, right? But you still can't trust them. And, and, and so, like, I'm working with this kid. This was back in May. This was how I started out my sabbatical back in May. 
first week on the sabbatical, supposed to be relaxing, and I'm coaching this kid. He's got a pretty decent swing, but we want to make things better and, and give the kid more power. And so he's up there, and I'm like, all right, buddy, look, I want to work on, on your separation a little bit. So I say, I'm going to come behind you here. I put my hand on his shoulder, and I've got one hand on his hands here. And I say, look, I want you to, I want you to stride and pivot, okay? And so I'm going to pull your hands back. And whenever we do that, we create this tension right here. The tension is going to create more power whenever it releases. And so I assume that I can trust these children with baseball bats because they've played baseball a while. They know, like, there's somebody behind you. There is a human being that is fragile behind you. You should be able to trust them that they're not going to swing. And so I've got him here, and, and I'm like, so look, as I release the tension, as I release this hand, you should feel the tension release. What I think he's going to do is one of these numbers, right? He's going he's gonna to do like that because there's a human behind him. But that's definitely not what happened. <laughs> so he's up here, and I've got my hands on his hands, and, and he's, he's pivoting and feeling the tension. I'm like, you feel that? He's like, yeah. And I'm like, so look what happens whenever I let go. And he gives the biggest home run swing that this kid has ever had in his entire life. Boom! Metal baseball bat. 11-year-old with a little bit of power. You know, they've started hitting that adolescent age. They're starting to develop some muscle. That metal baseball bat hits me right there. Look, I'm a grown man, but I dropped to the ground and cried. I thought my jaw was broken. And I had people praying for me. Praise God my jaw was not broken. I swore it was, though. And I developed a new level of trust for children with bats. There's, there's none there. there, are, there there's no trust whatsoever. <laughs> Kids and baseball bats don't go together. But do we also understand that there are different levels of trust within marriage, right? There's different, and, and every situation is a chance for you to update your levels of trust. Every situation is a chance for you to update your level of trust. How, how deep down the trust path can we go, right? And I think for most married people, the first, the very first stage of trust is that I can trust my spouse not to kill me when I sleep. <laughs> if you don't have that level of trust yet, you need to talk with us. We need to get you some help. You're in a bad place, all right? But then as we move down the next level of trust, the next level of trust is a little bit more serious, right? The next level of trust, a little bit deeper, a little bit more intense, right? That level of trust says I can trust my spouse not to cheat on me. And then it's like, oh, dang, right? There's some people in here, you don't have that level of trust. If we're being honest, people online, you may not have that level of trust yet with your spouse, right? You need to be able to have that. And, and for some people, though, it's like, well, I don't, I don't think that my spouse is going to cheat on me, but they're definitely being an idiot, right? They're, they're, they're on Snapchat and Messenger, like messaging old girlfriends or boyfriends, right? Or they're, they're like, well, I've got, I've got my, my set of friends that are guys, and I want to be able to go out with them without you. Like, that's a date. You don't do that when you're married. Can I just tell you? And, and we, we have this happen. Like we'll, we'll have couples come and talk to us that are going through this. And they're like, I'm not worried about them cheating. But they are like, they're, they're continuously chatting up old girlfriends and old boyfriends. They're, they're continuously going out with friends of the opposite gender by themselves like going to get coffee and going to get dinner and that kind of thing. And, and here's the response by, by these people that are doing it. They're like, well, I should be able to have guy friends and 
my husband shouldn't be jealous about that. I should be able to have girlfriends, and my wife shouldn't get jealous about that. Why are they getting so jealous? That's dumb. And your spouse is right for getting frustrated with you, all right? I'm going to just tell you as a friend and as a pastor of this church, you do not need guy friends or girlfriends, somebody of the opposite gender that you are chatting it up with all the time or going out to dinner with it's without your spouse. You just don't need that. It's not good. It's not healthy. And you certainly aren't building trust in your relationship. All right? And as we move deeper, right, now we start moving into where most people fall, right? Because most people don't even deal with what we just talked about. Most people have moved into the level of trust. They, they, they can trust not to be killed. They can trust not to be cheated on. They can trust that their spouse has healthy relationships with people. Now we move into a level of trust where they say, I can trust that my spouse, when something good happens to me, my spouse will be happy for me. Or when something bad happens to me, my spouse will be sad for me or upset. That's where most marriages fall and stop. All right? And that's a good place to be. It's an okay place to be. But let me give you like where we're going overall. If you want a win in your marriage, you need to be willing to help each other at the deepest levels possible. You have to be willing to help each other at the deepest levels levels possible. So if you're still in the phase of, I'm not sure that I can trust my spouse to not cheat on me, like that's where you start. That's the deepest level that you've got right now. And you need to work past that level and start working your way down. But if you're in the category where most Christian marriages are of just, well, I know that if something good happens, they'll be happy for me. If something bad happens, they'll be sad for me. If you're in that category, there are levels that are much deeper that will lead you into a, a relationship that says, I love my spouse so much more today than I ever did back then. That's the level that you need to work towards. So we're helping each other at the deepest levels possible. Let's go to Genesis chapter 2. Genesis chapter 2, we see where, how we can start to help each other a little bit. We're going to go to verse 15 and then we'll skip down a little bit. Then the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to cultivate it and to tend it. Then the Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make him a helper. Everybody say helper. helper. Suitable for him. And out of the ground, the Lord God formed every animal of the field and every bird of the sky and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called a living creature, that was its name. The man gave names to all the livestock, to the birds of the sky, to every animal of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper. Everybody say helper. helper. Suitable for him. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man, and he slept. Then he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh at that place. Then the Lord God fashioned. Everybody say fashioned. Because you can't say it about a woman without, like, adding some intensity. God fashioned into a woman the rib which he had taken from the man and brought her to the man. Then the man said, at last, this is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and his mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. If we go back to verse 15, right, the woman was created, why? To help her husband. But we have to ask the question, what are we helping each other do? 
For, for Adam, he was called, he was created for the purpose of, of cultivating and tending the garden. And, and because Adam was created for that and he needed a helper, guess what? Together, Adam and Eve, or Adam and woman was her name at the time, Adam and Eve were created with a uni- united purpose to cultivate and tend that garden. So the first thing that I would say is that as, married, as a married couple, you should be asking, what is our purpose together? What are we supposed to do together? Right? And I think that you have a married purpose. And for some of you in the room, that may be that, well, my married purpose right now is to, to raise our children to become godly, uh, uh, God-fearing children. People that, that love other people, that care for other people. People that are generous in their giving to take care of other people. Right? Maybe for you guys, you're called to be missionaries. Uh, you're called to go overseas and, and spread the gospel. You're called to, to, to the homeless or you're called to women's shelters. Like, I, I don't know what it is for you to take care of people or whatever it is. But you've got to be able to figure out what is our purpose together. Because we were created to work together. So what are we going to help each other do? But then I think that you also have your individual purpose that you have to help your spouse do. You have an individual purpose, and for some people in here, your individual purpose is actually to become a pastor. Your individual purpose is to become an incredible small group leader. Your individual purpose is to like pray because you are really good at interceding for people in prayer. For some of you, it's to start your own uh, uh, landscape business or, or, or become a lawyer, or police officer, firefighter. Like you're, you're called to that in life. That's what your purpose is. And so as, as, a, as a spouse coming alongside, we are called to help each other achieve those purposes that God has for us. But that's, that's difficult because it introduces a lot of conflict in the middle of it. Because sometimes resources or, or helping our spouse looks very easy right? Uh, Sometimes based off of the job that you have, you have access to finances or supplies that your spouse will need to accomplish their purpose. And it becomes pretty easy to say, look, I know that you're trying to start this business. I actually just got a huge bonus at work. I want to take all the bonus that I just got at work and I want to put it into your dream, into your calling, into your purpose. And that's how I can help you in this moment. Sometimes, though, helping them achieve their purpose unlocks a whole lot of emotions, right? Because you're, you're, you're going with them. You're on the ride with them. And, and, and helping them means that you're going to share in their successes and failures. And it's not just that I'm happy when something good happens to you and I'm sad when something bad happens to you, but it goes to a different level. It goes to a deeper level where now all of a sudden you have to, if you're wanting to help each other, you have to be willing to go, I am going to share with you my deepest insecurities about my calling. I know that I've been called to to teach children, but at this point in my life, I feel like I don't have the education to teach these kids anymore. 
I feel like I'm completely underprepared for this job right now. I just took a new COO role that is, that is definitely on the track for where I'm supposed to be, uh, where God has called me to be, to the business, to the, to, to the space where God has called me to be, but I am definitely not qualified for this. I'm going to go in there on Monday morning, and everybody is going to find me out that I am not qualified, and I am terribly insecure about them finding me out. Sometimes the help that you have to be is actually the help of saying, it's going to be okay. I still believe in you. Sometimes the help that you have to be is just that you're going to hold your spouse and let them cry again. And it's this idea that, man... I'm, I'm sharing in this. The help that I can be right now is not that I'm going to give you 12 steps to get out of this issue, but the help that I'm going to be right now is I'm going to be the shoulder for you to cry on because I know that you're still dealing with the, with the death of your mom from three years ago, and you don't know how to work past it, but I'm going to be here with you until you do. But if we're going to do that, I, I got I to give you some, some, some tips and some practices for you to move into some of that. First question that we have to ask our spouse. This isn't a flippant question. It's a really hard question to ask because both of you have to come. If you want, if you want to, to have a win in your marriage, you both have to come to the table ready to discuss real life. And be okay with whatever the answer is, and then be ready to work from there. First question that you have to ask, and you have to ask this. If you're married in here, you have to ask it. If you're going to be married in here, you have to ask it. Ask it before you get married. Is divorce an option for us? And, and look, this is not condemning anybody that's been divorced in the past. we got a lot of divorced people that are here. I'm not talking about whatever's happened in the past. I'm talking from this moment right here, moving forward. Is divorce an option for us? If both of you do not answer, no, divorce is not an option. If both of you don't answer that way, you can't move forward. You can't move forward yet. And I would encourage you to talk with a pastor or go to a counselor together until you can figure out how do we work until we can both answer successfully. No, divorce is not an option for us. As long as it is an option, then I will know, like if, if this is my relationship and I know that divorce is an option for, the, for my spouse, then I will never be able to open up fully and say, here's my heart. Here's all of the crazy thoughts that I'm having. Here's all the crazy dreams that I'm dealing with. Here's all of the nightmares that I'm dealing with. Sometimes I think these things. Sometimes I feel these things. And most people don't understand it. And you might not understand it. And if I open up and share something that you think is crazy, you might leave me. Therefore, I will keep my mouth shut. And we will not move to the next level of trust. It's very important. I cannot stress it enough. To you folks that are not yet married in here, you need to ask this question before you get married. Is divorce an option for us? Both of you need to answer no before you move forward. Second tip. Second tip is, is before somebody walks out of here going, 
I'm going to share everything. Don't do that. Right? Here's the thing. Both you and your spouse need to be on the same page about, hey, trust is something that I want to develop more of. Not saying that we don't trust each other. I'm just saying that there are deeper levels that, the, that Pastor Brantley was talking about. I want deeper levels of trust in our relationship. I want to explore how deep in the levels of trust can we get in our marriage. What you need to be able to do is go into it, and before you start being crazy vulnerable with your spouse, you need to warn them. Hey, I'm about to be really vulnerable. Okay? You need to warn them because... If both of you are on the same page, that puts them on notice that I can either swing and kill the coach behind me and crush all hope and all trust right now, or I can handle things very carefully and we can develop a different level of trust. But you have to give them warning. I'm telling you from experience, you have to give them warning because every single person in here, you have some crazy thoughts that you don't want everybody to know, right? Some of y'all have shared those crazy thoughts with me. And I'm like, bro, I didn't want to know that. <laughs> but you should be able to, to, to have those conversations with your spouse. But it's going to have to come with a warning first so that your spouse is ready to handle whatever you're about to say properly. And it might be, look, I'm about to be really vulnerable. All right, that's the warning. And... This might sound stupid to you. You might not understand what I'm about to say, but I need to tell you where I'm at. And then as the spouse who's receiving that information, you don't have to understand it. I just want to give you permission. You don't have to understand it. Do we all understand men and women are different? Right? We think differently. We do, you're not going to understand everything that comes out of your spouse's mouth. You don't have to. You can sit there as a good husband or wife and just say, wow, I'm sorry that you're dealing with that. I didn't know that you were feeling that way. That's all you have to say. If you don't know anything else to say, just keep your mouth shut. At the risk, or, 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 or so that you avoid the risk of just crushing whatever vulnerability was just given to you. First question, is divorce an option? If the answer is no, then you move on to where you give them a warning and you say, look, if we're on the same page, we want to go deeper in our, in our trust vulnerability. Then you give them a warning and say, look, I'm about to be vulnerable with you in this moment. And you open up and you're very careful with every word that comes out of your mouth as you respond. Very careful because it's your chance to take the marriage deeper in that one minute conversation. Let's go back into scripture here. Genesis chapter, I'm sorry, not Genesis, uh, 2 Kings chapter 4. I want to take a look at this conversation that happened. Can we go to verse 22, please? Verse 22, please. There we go. Then she called to her husband and said, Please send me one of the servants and one of the donkeys so that I may run to the man of God in return. I want you to just kind of hear what's happening in this conversation. They just lost their son. She's going to her husband asking for help. So that I may run to the man of God in return. But he said, why are you going to him today? It's neither new moon nor Sabbath. So she just said, it will be fine. 
to the next verse for me? Then she saddled the donkey and said to her servant, drive the donkey and go on. Do not slow down the pace for me unless I tell you. I wish we had more to work off of, but I'm going to have to infer a little bit based off of the context of what we're reading. I'm going to have to infer, okay? And, and I'm also going off of the cross-references that are linked to these verses as you research it. They lose their child, and she sends to her husband in the moment of their tragedy and says, I need your help. I need the resources that you have because we need a miracle in our family right now. We need a miracle from God right now. And, and God's a good God, and he's going to take care of us, but I just, I need your help because I can't get to, I can't get to the man of God. I can't, I can't get to God. I can't get to the miracle without your help right now. I need your help. Can you give me a donkey and a servant? And he responds, and, and this is just as vulnerable for him because she's asking for a miracle from God. She's asking to, for his help so that they can see a miracle happen in their family. And his response to her is, Why? Why today? I don't have that kind of faith right now. If you look at the cross references, He's referencing the new moon and the Sabbath, right? He's, he's, he, if you go back and look at the cross-reference, it takes you into Numbers. I think it's chapter 10, verse 10. And it's talking about the peace offering. A peace offering. A peace offering was a free will offering. It was one where they weren't paying for sins. They weren't repenting for anything. It, it was just, it was a way for them to say, thank you, God, for being so good to us. Even when things don't work out the way that I want them to, I still trust you. You are still the God of peace. You are still the God of wholeness. You are still the God of completeness. And he says, why are you going to go do a peace offering today? Don't you know we just lost our son? She says, I need a miracle right now. I need my God to show up. And he says, I don't know that I have that kind of faith. Why are you going today? I understand you have faith, but I don't have that kind of faith right now. It's this intimate, vulnerable moment between husband and wife. And what I love is in our English translation, she responds back to him. In, in English, it's four words. In Hebrew, it's one word. She responds with one word, which has just a lot of meaning. And he's talking about, why are you going to go give a peace offering? And here's what she responds with. She says, shalom, which just means the peace of God, the wholeness, the, the God who will complete our family. I know you don't have the faith right now, but I do. Shalom. Shalom. That's all she says. Shalom. We need this completeness. We need this peace. We need the wholeness of God. And we see where the next verse, she has the donkey that she requested. She has the servant that she requested. The husband says, I'm not there with you right now in faith, but you're asking me for help for my resources, and I'm asking you for help for faith. Take the resources that you need and go see if you can get a miracle from God for our family. What a vulnerable moment. Let's go to verse 32. When Elisha entered the house, this was the man of God, this was the prophet. Behold, the, the boy was dead, laid on his bed. 
So he entered and shut the door behind them both, and he prayed to the Lord. And he got up on the bed and lay on the child and put his mouth on his mouth, his eyes on his eyes, his hands on his hands. And he bent down on him, and the flesh of the child became warm. Next verse for me. Then he returned and walked in the house back and forth once and went up and bent down on him, and the boy sneezed seven times. Then the boy opened his eyes, and he called Gehazi, that was his servant, and said, call the Shunammite. So he called her. When she came in to him, he said, pick up your son. And she came in and fell at his feet and bowed down to the ground, and she picked up her son and left. I need, to, I need you to understand something about this passage. That miracle would not have happened if you didn't have two spouses who were willing to be vulnerable in the most tragic day of their lives. They were completely vulnerable with each other. And if you want to win in your marriage, whether that's today or win in your marriage in the future, I'm telling you, you've got to be willing to help each other at the deepest levels possible. You have to pursue those different levels of trust. Because if they had not pursued the different levels of trust, they would not have seen the miracle from God show up in their house that day. I think you need a win in your marriage, whether that's today or in the future. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much, Lord. Thank you for, for marriage, God. God, thank you. Thank you for my beautiful wife, God. Lord, thank you that you have helped us develop levels of trust with each other, God. Lord, and I pray a, a blessing over marriages right now. I've got a word for somebody in here. You've been lied to. Somebody has told you that marriage is not for you. That marriage is not a good thing. That you couldn't make marriage work. But in the name of Jesus, that is a lie from the enemy. And I release a blessing on your marriage specifically. You will be blessed. Your husband or your wife is going to be good to you. And y'all will reach deep levels of trust that you didn't even know was possible. God, in the name of Jesus, over every person that's listening right now, I release a blessing over them. I release a blessing of trust. I release a blessing of vulnerability. I, I release a, a blessing just over marriage in general right now, God. I, I release a blessing over people right now who are on the edge of divorce. God, where those cords seem to be ripping apart between two people, right now in the name of Jesus, I command that you would restore the, the grip that you have on their marriage. Lord, I, I, I pray that you would restore the bonds between husband and wife right now. 
God, give them the desire to pursue you. Give them the desire to move forward. Give them the desire to take the steps necessary to see victory in their marriage. And I pray in the name of Jesus right now that the answer to the question of is divorce an option, I release the answer of no right now over everybody who's listening. The answer to that question is no, divorce will not be an option for us. I'm not talking about abusive situations. I'm talking about normal situations, right? We're we're talking about the average right now. Divorce will not, cannot be an option for us. We love you, God, and it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thanks for joining us for this week's message. For more information, please check out www.momentumchurch.tv.